You're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM. Flight on the set. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Welcome, welcome everyone to Movie Night with Sif. The Calgary International Film Festival is back from September 21st to October 1st, bringing you movies and so much more. Featuring award season darlings and world premieres, get your exclusive look at over 200 of the year's greatest films from around the globe. Today, we'll be talking to the people responsible for programming this year's incredible lineup, our artistic director, Brian Owens, lead programmer, Brenda Lieberman, and shorts programmer, Adam Karestes. Brian Owens has been SIF's artistic director for five years. Prior to that, he served as artistic director for the Nashville Film Festival for a decade. After seven years as an online critic, he began his career in the film festival world when he founded the Indianapolis International Film Festival, now known as the Indie Film Fest. He's also served on film festival juries across the world. Our lead programmer and jury coordinator, Brenda Lieberman, has been programming in Calgary since 1999. She's also the festival director, founder, and lead programmer for the Calgary Underground Film Festival. Like Brian, Brenda participates on industry juries and panels internationally. Fan favorite co-host and resident sneakerhead Adam Karestes has been our trusted shorts programmer for four years. His career began as a computer programmer, but his love for film has led him to a totally different kind of programming. You can usually find him in a movie theater with a pair of Air Jordans on or writing hot takes on Letterboxd. Here to tell us all about their lives in film and what to expect at SIF 2023 are Brian, Brenda, and Adam. Yay. Hello. Hello, Gabby. That was Brian who just said hello. Adam, do you want to say hello? Hey, what's up? What's up, Brenda? Hello, hello. We have a festival coming up. Exciting stuff, busy times. I'm sure everyone's been working long, long hours. People don't, people don't really know this, but you all watch an absolutely extraordinary amount of films. I don't think people really know how many films you have to watch. It's literally upwards of like a thousand, I think I've heard you say. What makes a film stand out from the crowd for you? And actually, how many is it? I don't even know anymore. Like it's, <laughs> it's too many. But it's probably around a thousand short films a year that I'll watch um, from various avenues of ones that get submitted to the festival, going to other festivals, watching films. Um, But I try to at least take a look at as many as I can that come in through the festival. So um, probably, yeah, a thousand short films. And then I watch a lot of the features, too. Um, We we do like a lot of shared programming in the team um, where we'll get like our our other teammates opinions on films. So I watch a lot of features for Brenda and a lot of features for Brian. Um, so it's a lot of movies to watch. Um, how do they stand out? That's really tough. Um, it's about things that, especially with shorts, it's about things that kind of grab you um, right away. Shorts are a unique sort of medium in film because it is such a short time frame that you kind of need to get, you kind of need to get people on your side really quickly. Yes. Right. Um, you need to get them at least invested or interested uh, right away. Um, and then what like films, it's not like that we're booking the, or we're programming the same short films every year, like the same types of films. Sometimes there's just themes that arise when you're watching a thousand films and things link together and, and balance together. And uh, that makes them stand out sometimes in years to years. Nice. And it's good when themes emerge because shorts eventually get put into packages, which we'll talk about in a bit here. We can talk about that in a bit. Nice. Brenda, any idea how many films you've had to sift through? No, I'm kind of the same as Adam. I don't, I lose tracks. So I don't count, but I, um, yeah, I do go to festivals throughout the year looking for titles as well. So that factors into it, but I would say for the narrative features, um, There's probably a good uh, 120 from the Canadian section and then a few hundred in the world cinema and late shows. Um, 
I obviously can't watch them all. We have a team of volunteers that kind of sift through it, but I try to make a point of watching all the Canadian narratives Mm -hmm. and all the late shows um, because, you know, there are homegrown stories and uh, peers and alumni. So I feel like that's really important for me to watch all those as uh, best as I can. And uh, I'd say it's it's a few hundred for sure. So many. So, so many. It's a small percentage that actually end up in the festival from what we've looked through in the submissions versus what distributors have and other festivals year round to narrow down what we've got. Well, because there's also like previewers. No, I don't like let's people let people in a little bit. Um, maybe Brian will know this because, you know, as artistic director, you might have more access to this information. But like how many like films are submitted total versus how many like you guys end up with you guys, you know, like how many just get kind of sifted out through previewers? How does that whole thing work? You know, it's hard to know the exact number, but we're in the neighborhood of 4,000 submissions this year. So a good number of them are knocked out through the previewing process. There's similar to like Brenda with me, with my documentaries, like the Canadian docs, I make sure to devote a lot of my attention there and get see at least in whole or in part, all of those. Um, with the international and U.S. docs that get submitted, that's not possible physically. I don't. I think I would still be watching twenty four seven and still be watching them at this point. But um, no, the previewers help in the sense that they really separate the the wheat from the chaff. So um, as you mentioned, when you, in your previewing experience with the shorts, that sometimes you just know a bad movie when you see a bad movie, yeah. and those are the easy ones to knock out, and the previewers can knock those out. After that, that's when opinions start to come into play, and. Um, yeah, you look for those things that fall in the middle of the road. What happens frequently with documentary is people become infatuated with the subject. And so they'll begin to look past some of the filmmaking flaws. Um, so I feel like that's sort of like my final job is to like compare the filmmaking because by the time they get to me, all the subjects are pretty interesting at that point. Um, so it's really looking about who best encapsulates their story as a documentarian. Um, but yeah, so I would say, I don't know anywhere from 30 to 60% probably get knocked out by the previewing stage, but at least probably 40 to 50% uh, are watched by the programmers, the three of us, plus uh, Guy and Iman and Priya. Yeah. There's a lot of love that goes into choosing these. I mean, just from my limited experience working with Adam a couple of years ago, like we would have long conversations where we'd like go to bat for the films that you really like believe in. Um, And like you said, there is an element of opinion there, but at the end of the day, I think it's like, it comes down to who has made the best sort of film. That was always a hard balance for me because I like to like, I like something that looks technically good, but I'm also, some of them were like scrappy and I really like the scrappy ones. I was going to say too, that sometimes like, I would even like be weary of using the word best because like at at least, yeah, what is best is so subjective. And, um, you know, we all feel like programmer remorse. There's so many films that, you wish you could fit into the festival because you wish there was enough room and they might just be equally as great as something else. It's just, you have to find different reasons or just make a really tough decision on how to narrow down because we're all limited by space in the festival or, you know, different package themes that uh, Adam's looking for or uh, different audiences. We're trying to get out to the festival for different reasons. So it's uh yeah, it's really, uh, I don't know. I get a lot of anxiety making a lot of the decisions because at the end of the day, you uh, just wish you could support more of the projects. And I tell people all the time, you're, you know, the film, this isn't about 
your film not being great because yeah. it's, you know, we just wish we could always do more. Yeah. yeah. You end up with a limited amount of films that can make it. There's only so many slots in the festival. Um, there's only so much time a festival can be uh, going on. So you end up having to turn down films that you really like. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the hardest part. Like if I end up with a hundred shorts in the festival, which is like on average, there might be 200 that I like really liked. Mm. And so there's half of them that you're really turning, you're having to turn down and it's like, Oh, I wish you could have more, but it's just, it doesn't work that way with programming. Moving on to sort of the lineup more specifically, were there any themes in particular that you found yourself drawn to this season? Um, can you tell us about some of the films you programmed for these kinds of themes? Adam, it might be easier to start with you. Cause I know the shorts naturally kind of lump into packages. Yeah. Shorts. Um, there's sort of a couple ways you watch shorts at the festival. Okay. Um, like shorts do get lumped into, into packages or not lumped. They get selected into yes. packages and meticulously themed. curated. Into yeah. Meticulously for curated your enjoyment. into, into themed packages. Uh, there's also shorts that play before features at the festival. So you might come and check out a full feature film and there'll be a short film in front of that, that kind of gets your, your appetite ready for what the feature is. And those are curated between uh, myself and the shorts team and the, and the feature programmers. So you're choosing a short film that kind of like thematically fits with the feature or kind of gets you ready for the tone. It's the appetizer. Yeah. So there's like a Ukrainian short film called it's a date. Um, that's going to play with one of Guy's really awesome uh, music on screen films, Kiss the Future. Guy is our pro, uh, one of our programmers who does the music on screen. Films. Yeah, yeah. Guy does music on screen and American uh, feature films. Mm -hmm. So It's a Date is like a Ukrainian love during wartime experimental kind of short that gets mm -hmm. you ready for this feature film about punk music in Sarajevo during wartime. So it's yes. kind of like getting you ready for that. Um, so thematic pairings are, are really important. Um, and then when it comes to the shorts packages, think of it like you're going to see a feature film. It's going to be 90 minutes, two hours long, however long a feature film would be. You get to see a chunk of shorts in mm -hmm. that time. So it might be it might be five, it might be 10, it might be 20, depending on the time um, and the, the length of the shorts. But they're always wrapped around um, a theme or an idea or a medium, uh, I guess, of of. Uh, what the package will kind of be about. So we always have, we always have an animation package. We always have something that's for like a date night. Uh, we always have a late shift. That's like your dark comedies and your ooky spooky stuff. Yes. Um, but then we always do uh, different thematic packages every year. So this year we have a couple, one that's like mystical films. So it's like your weird kind of sci-fi a little bit sort of off yes a little bit cosmic a little bit strange but different than the late shift in that it's not like scary it's right? not super not scary. scary yeah no go go check out this one it's more it's more freaky yeah unusual. yeah it's more freaky it's like um yeah like sci-fi or um like i don't know how to describe it really cool soundscapes really cool um styled films do you have an example of a film that might be in that kind of package? Yeah. So there's, there's one called Death and Ramen. That's really cool. Starring Bobby Lee. To, uh, what a combination. About, uh, about uh, uh, yeah, a guy who wants to die, um, but he's also a ramen chef and he wants like the best bowl of ramen he's ever had before he <laughs> dies. Um, and so it's really great. 
Um, Who comes up with like, listen to these concepts? Guys. Shorts are so weird. I love great. them so much. And when death comes for him, it's like, we have to go get this bowl. So he takes death with him to go <laughs> to this restaurant to make and eat this bowl of ramen. Um, so that, that one is really cool. I'm going to see that. 100%. There's also really great films from around the world, from India, from Spain and Canada. Um, so every package is kind of curated with international sort of feeling in, in, in them so that you get a, a good variation of, of films in it. Any others that you want to shout out? Yeah, we have another one that's kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It hits different. It's okay. like uh, a feel good, but silly. Um, there's, there's a bunch of films from around the world, like Basri and Selma um, in a never ending comedy. This one played at Cannes. It's from Indonesia. Um, there's a really great one called Noodles Forever about a wiener dog. Oh my God. <laughs> that oh my is fantastic. Um, and then we have films like Death to the Bikini from, from Canada. That's just fantastic about a young girl that uh, is getting a little bit too old to maybe not wear a top at the pool, but she doesn't want to. Ah. All the boys get to, why can't she? So these are kind of like feel good-ish, but kind of silly, kind of fun. Um, and yeah, that's, it's a, it's a pretty fun package. Uh, Brian, you got any films you want to feature? <laughs> any themes well, that emerged? It is funny because Adam was just talking about that feel good package. And I, if I'm not wrong, Adam Poof is in that one, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Which features a great dog performance. And that's kind of one of the funny things that I've seen this year across the platforms. Uh, some really good dog performances. Ooh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, people are going to be excited about Anatomy of the Fall, which won the Palm d'Or. But it also features a great dog performance by Snoop. Um, a fantastic dog. And then also uh, there's Chaplin in Fallen Leaves, the new Aki Karasmaki. Uh, there's Mora in The Old Oak. Are these all Prepare the names of the, the dog actors? Or am I, what am I hearing? Oh, yeah. Here? These are the dog, the, the, the dog characters, but they're so good. I mean, like, they're really, like, people maybe don't understand the dogs actually do, like, they're trained. They, they're delivering performances. They're actors. They're um, serious actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also like the animated robot dreams has a fantastic dog in it. Right. So it's just kind of like fun because it, like you get to see like non-humans be part of the festival this year too, even if robot dreams is animated. So it's an animated dog. So, but still like, uh, yeah, I, I just like, as a dog lover, this is a great one. Oh, Vincent must die. Brenda, uh, also a great dog, right? Yeah. I wanted Brian to plug Vincent must die. It's one of my favorites <laughs> in the late show series and it's got a fantastic dog performance. What's it about? Tell me about this movie. Well, it's it's kind of a really different take on a zombie film. So it's okay. really a, a zombie film. Um, but uh, the the lead guy has a dog that kind of protects him throughout the course of this film um, and becomes really his like his everything throughout the course of the movie for survival. So it's uh, it's fantastic. So excited to see it. Now, I am a dum-dum, and I don't know anything about that film that won the Palme d'Or. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful, incredibly intense story about the, I guess the best way, it's about the dissolution of a relationship, but in the most extreme uh, terms. It's also a courtroom drama um about a yeah it's, it's a little bit of everything uh it's one of those movies that i have to say that it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger as it rests in your memory uh because it's really ultimately about the fact that we can never 
wholly find a truth when it involves human beings because we all see things differently. And uh, it's such a sophisticated, smart film that also is pretty emotional. A lot of times those movies can be cold, and especially because this one's set in winter. It might feel cold, but it really is. It packs a punch. Uh, and it leaves you thinking, like, we watched it as a team for pre-screening purposes over a month ago, and it still sticks with me solidly. And Snoop plays a very big part in the plot, so. Now, when you say Snoop, is that the name of the dog, or are we talking about Snoop Doggy Dog, the rapper? No, it's the name of the dog. It's an actual canine name. I'm going to side for this, because there's there's a great song in the film uh-huh. that um, is it resonates, and I don't know if you're always humming it too but like i think about that song a lot in the movie no not me no not brenda <laughs> brian <laughs> um, i think I it a lot. the yeah. song is actually uh it's 50 cents p-i-m-p no way um, with featuring snoop dogg in this court but, but 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 it's i can't remember the band it's a steel drum version of that song <laughs> that just plays over and over in the film. It, it's like another character in the film. And I'm wondering if there's like some connection there between the choice of that song and then Snoop as the name of the dog. Oh my <laughs> God. I wouldn't be surprised. Snoop Doggy Dog is doing them side quests all day long. He does everything but rap these days. And I only giggled. Well, it's just when- proof of how deep the filmmaking is, right? So. Oh yeah. Yes. And I only giggled when Brian first said it too, because there was a moment when we thought we were going to have this whole theme around courtroom dramas because mm. we were starting to see more and more films, which we have another amazing courtroom drama. I don't have to go into details, but uh, it, yeah, it just made me giggle because we've been trying to find themes within all of our films this year to figure out where, what we could pull. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what, let's hear the title again and let people get tickets to this. What's the title yeah. of this crazy movie? Anatomy of a Fall. It was screened a couple of times, so we have two opportunities, but it'll, it will be a hot ticket. The Palm Door yeah. winner always is. Mm-hmm. They, it's well, like, and then if you do love the courtroom drama, I'm just going to say also buy a ticket for Red Rooms. Yeah. So if you miss your chance to go to Anatomy of a Fall, or maybe if you are going, go to both. Get that double whammy in there. Indeed. Love that for you. Um, I would personally love to see a courtroom drama theme. I'm a big fan of courtroom dramas. Um, maybe it's because I'm very argumentative myself, but I love... <laughs> something that is like i love the technicality of the fighting i love the fast lawyer speak it's amazing um and i'm sure the dog is great in it too dog's fantastic go snoop brenda any themes emerge well i just realized like there is a ton of incredible coming of age films so i do love coming of age films but also there was a lot this year Mm -hmm. and i also love atypical rom-coms so it's amazing how many of the coming of age films are also atypical yes, rom-coms yes. this year. So um, there's far too many to list off today, but there was a few that stood out to me um, because I also love genre films. So some of them are very unique in the sense where they um, blend different genres. So there's one called My Animal and one called Humanist Vampire Seeking Consenting Suicidal Person. <laughs> The longest title. Great title. Uh, And going to, let's say, Humanist Vampire uh, specifically, uh, you know, it's like a vampire family. And it's a very natural (laughs) coming of age story about, you know, romance and, you know, how you're going to get your blood. And it's just so casual and um, like almost like a family relationship coming of age horror comedy but yeah so it's a 
it's a really great film. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's a French film from Quebec. Yes. And uh, it's if you like uh, dark comedies or something, maybe I, I mean, I shouldn't overly reference it to what we do in the shadows. But when I think of a very natural setting of a vampire family, that's what I yeah. think of. So. so if you like that film, maybe you would probably like this one as well. Oh, yeah. Now, humanist vampire seeking consensual suicidal person. What is it? Consented. Yeah. Humanist vampire seeking consenting suicidal person. Okay. Now, question. Is she... Because it's a female lead. Yeah, she's seeking. She's seeking a consenting suicidal person. Is it because she's going to eat them? Well, she wants them as her her partner. Oh, okay. Yeah, because then she could she could get their blood. I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but you know, is that a spoiler? Well, that's a little bit of a spoiler, but yeah. So hey. Well, if you want to find uh, out why she's seeking a suicidal <laughs> person, you'll have to get a ticket and see. Yeah. And then, you know, if you love that, there's also a werewolf version of the same kind of movie called My Animal. Oh, ah, yeah. So you my get, animal. Yeah. You get like a werewolf family that's kind of going through the same thing. So you have a, you know, a, a you know, a hockey playing uh, female who's, you know, coming of age, looking for a little bit of romance, uh, falls for another female figure skater and then. The rest of the story goes from there. This reminds me of this tweet that went viral last year that was like, I'm so glad vampires and werewolves are back, but in a gay way this time, because they oh, were yeah. great last time and it was miserable. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you're, you know, maybe you can um, reach back into your Twilight days and watch the werewolf movie if you were maybe Team Jacob and the vampire movie if you were Team Edward. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I'm sure these, these very high pedigree programmers love the lowbrow vibe that I'm bringing to this, <laughs> the reference that I'm making. I- I actually said it was like the film festival version of, of Team Edward versus Team Jacob. So nice. Well, we'll have to see. You'll have to look out for is Telus presenting the audience awards this year as well. Yep. All yeah, right. So we'll have we'll to see. look out on those audience awards to see <laughs> which team gets it. Well, this all sounds incredible. And I, you know, I work at the festival, so I'm going to be running around like a chicken with no head doing a thousand things. But usually I get a chance to sneak in a couple of movies and um, I might, I might go. I think I'll definitely say short, shorts package. Me personally, I always like mm-hmm. to see um, the animation package because animation gets weird, and I love a weird movie. Oh, it does. Um, I'm Team Edward, so vampire um, movie is definitely in. Humanist vampire, Perfect. getting a ticket to that. And Palm d'Or, I gotta watch it because if you don't know the Palm d'Or, then you're like you can't, you can't talk to film people about anything. Um, For sure. And I, I gotta I gotta get my knowledge in because I'm surrounded by film people all the time, you guys, and I'm such an enjoyer of bad movies. I gotta. I got to get informed. Um, I'm excited. Are you guys excited for the fest? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. Well, you guys, September 21st to October 1st, come and see it. Eau Claire and Eau Claire Cineplex and Globe Cinema, as always. Um, it's going to be 200 of the world's greatest films. Can't wait to see it. Are you guys ready to play some games? Okay. Sure. Let's I don't like do games. Brenda, <laughs> I promise you, you're going to love this game because you get to give a strong opinion. And I know y'all got lots of those. And we are back with games. We only have one game today as a change of pace, but it's because I'm hoping we're going to get some real juicy stuff. It's everybody's favorite. Why are you booing me? I'm right. In this game, our illustrious guests give their hot takes on the film world. So whether it's a masterpiece that you believe is underrated or it's an overrated film that you think is the worst ever, we'd love to hear your hot take. Brian Owens, let's start with you. Braveheart is garbage. 
Oh my god! <laughs> Hot out the gate. It's overwrought, overrated, overacted. Everything about it is terrible. <laughs> Cinematography is all right, I guess. But other than that, no, it's awful. We should get you to write for those one-star reviews that we typically do. <laughs> that was a real good one-star review. Well, you know, but why do you think that people say it's such a great movie then? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't see it. You're like, I just don't see it. I was the one person like in the theater who was just clearly checked out while other people were like, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, you didn't you like know, the makeup. Like, and the makeup said the whole thing is like not even remotely historically accurate. Like, and that's not even my biggest complaint about it. It's just like, bleh. um, just it's so. all like everything about Mel Gibson from that point, maybe even before that, but like from that point on too, is always like, Oh, I'm the martyr of the movie. Shut up. Mel. <laughs> <laughs> hot take right now is shut up. Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, Adam, your hot take. My hot take. Um, Let's talk about sequels that are better than the originals. Babe 2, Pig in the City is actually amazing. Babe 2, Pig in the City. You know, I love defending a sequel. Explain. Yeah, Babe 2, Pig in the City is, it is a little bit darker, but that's not why I think it's amazing. It's just, it's really fun, but it's also a really great combo of like live action animals and puppets that's mixed so well that it like, I don't know. It's just an awesome experience to like see how that works together. Yeah. And I do think that Babe to Pig in the City walked so Paddington could run <laughs> in terms of charming, animal-focused, talking animal films. What makes it better than the first? Because we're talking, we're talking about Babe too. Yeah, the first one's fine, but the second one is way more fun, and there's more there's more animals really than just pigs and like sheep or whatever's in the first one. This episode is really all about paying homage to amazing animal performances. It kind of is. Yeah. Um, When you have like monkeys and like orangutans in films, I just think, yeah, they do the best acting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wasn't expecting. I hadn't seen this movie since like I probably watched it when I was a kid and was like, this is dumb. Why is there a sequel to Babe? I don't care. But then I watched it as an adult and it was like, holy, what was I missing all these years? Like. It's amazing. I'll, keep, I'll take your word on that. I don't know. Maybe I got to watch it. You see. should watch it. Maybe you I should watch, watch it. it. See. I'm not going to watch it. You got a hot take? Yeah, I've got a hot take. And I, 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 I'm going to admit that I've, since this is my hot take, I've recently discovered a few people who also like it. But for the most part, this is a completely underrated film. Dead Don't Die. It's one of my favorite films. I could watch it on repeat over and over. Mm-hmm. I love it. And the number of people who don't blows my mind. And um, I think that they do not get it. What do you think they're not getting in that movie? They're just not understanding. I mean, I personally gravitate to deadpan absurdist comedy anyways. And it nails it. You know, they could repeat the same line over and over again in this entire film. So straight-faced and deadpan that it like makes me laugh every single time dead don't isn't, die isn't there a nice little connection to sif's lineup oh yeah is and there's a little easter egg in fallen leaves which is they go to see the dead don't die okay on a date 
Mm, it's Only fantastic, Brian. Yeah, it's the one. It's I referenced it because it has Chaplin the dog. Uh, oh. It's produced by Aki Karasmaki, like Finland's top working director. Now you got two good reasons to go see Fallen Leaves. Yeah, yeah so that actually raised Fallen Leaves another notch for me too. But that also is very deadpan, dry humor. So my hot take: I also want to defend a sequel, a little a little sequel called The Princess Diaries Two. I really do, because you know what? You know what? Princess Diaries One, silly, silly, goofy, fun. Disney Channel original. Princess Diaries Two, screenplay by Shonda Rhimes, the queen of modern primetime television. Okay. Screenplay by Shonda Rhimes, who made the only watchable seasons of Grey's Anatomy. She's a freaking genius. They teach her pilot of Grey's in schools to teach people how to write for TV and for screen. It's amazing. Shonda Rhimes wrote it. Julie Andrews is in it and gives just such a delightful performance. And one of our greatest, Anne Hathaway, is also in it. Like, these are not chicken shit actors. These are real (laughs) actors. Chris Pine is in it young and hot and like and when I say hot he is really hot he's so beautiful in this movie he is a Disney prince in this movie and if you don't like it you're a fool I just watched it for my 24th birthday and I had the best time ever that's my hot thing I'm happy for you <laughs> now that we've suitably pissed off a few people I feel like it's time for us to say goodbye um Everyone, please, if you've liked the films that you've heard about today, you can check out the full lineup on our website at ciffcalgary.ca. We've got a lot more stuff um, planned that you're just going to absolutely love. So keep an eye out for announcements and stuff to see what you can do outside the theater. Um, And if you want to get tickets, same thing. ciffcalgary.ca. Go there. Pick a movie. Come with your friends. Come have a great time. September 21st to October 1st. Um, thank you, programmers, for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join me today. Thanks, thanks guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. All right. See you soon. Okay, that's a wrap. 